Hey guys, just a heads up, this is a not safe for work podcast, so keep it in your pants until you won't get busted. <laughs> Orgasmic Terrorist, a podcast about acceptance around becoming authentic within our sexual exploration. Orgasmic Terrorist. Thank you for joining us here on Orgasmic Tourist today. Before we dive into this episode, we want to issue a trigger warning for potentially sensitive content that may be discussed. This episode may contain discussions about topics that can be distressing and triggering, including the following domestic violence, mental and emotional abuse, sexual assault and rape, sexual acts, suicide, and child abuse. We want to prioritize your well being above all else. Please do not feel obligated to listen to this episode if you believe it may be harmful or distressing for you. Your mental and emotional health are incredibly important to us here at Orgasmic Terrorist. If you choose to continue listening, please ensure that you have a support system in place or seek professional help if needed. Thank you for your understanding and take care of yourselves always. Welcome to Orgasmic Terrorist. Jenna and Sarah's here. Hi, guys. We're moving along on our journey and exploration of bdsm and i think it's important that we talk about consent again but i want to focus on the bdsm side of it like how it impacts or how it's different for bdsm yeah i think it's pretty important we've consistently been consistent about insisting (laughs) say that three times fast of how important consent in everything immediate and a fuck yes consent, not a maybe consent is really important. And we've also discussed how different your and I's journeys have been. And so when you came to me about consent, uneducated little Jenna was just like, I feel like we've done this. We always need to do it. I'm not opposed to talking about it, but what are you looking for? And you are the one that was like, yeah, have you heard of rack or prick or SCC or CCCC? And I was, I think, scratching my head and (laughs) no. So I set about to learn all the things that I need to learn to make me a better partner and more educated and being able to share more information. And so I think what we've put together today in and around consent for BDSM is pretty comprehensive. And I'm really excited to dive into it. I don't have a lot of experience in this realm. So you are going to be the the master today. (laughs) Actually, I have a really funny story about about learning about prick and rack and all. I was going to be part of an event this summer where they were a prick based philosophy for consent. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is it based on the penis? (laughs) (laughs) But no, actually, I had to get educated myself. So this is fascinating. I think our listeners would enjoy listening about the different levels of consent and how it has evolved with BDSM and the practices. I agree. So you weren't as educated as I thought you were about it either, but you had more understanding than I did. So we went to work learning all of this stuff and we've got some key points and some differences that we want to share with everybody and discuss why it's so important that you have consent and the terms and the understanding and the framework behind all the things in BDSM. So we're going to dive right into this one. Hopefully it will blow your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Educate your mind. All right. Educate the mind. Why you got to blow everything all the time? I'm good at it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Good girl. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about the significance of BDSM safety philosophies. I think that's really where we want to start. And I'm just going to give a rundown of what I feel those philosophies are, and then we can talk about them. So when I talk about BDSM safety philosophies, we're talking about prioritizing safety, reducing risks, differentiating BDSM from abuse, promoting positive perception, guiding behavior and communication, compatibility and partner selection, flexibility and context, common sense versus frameworks, and balancing detail and holistic view. So those are kind of the key points that I wanted to bring up and discuss before we talk about what each type of BDSM consent term means, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I like that. Prioritizing safety. 
Yeah. So that's really just talking about like the SSC, RAC, PRIC, and CCCC frameworks, which prioritize the safety, well-being, and consent of all parties involved in the BDSM activities. When I was diving into this, I absolutely do not see the, the vast differences that each one of these supposedly introduce. To me, it's just safety is the main thing. So I'm excited to be able to dive in and tell the difference between the CCC, RAC, PRIC, and SSC challenge. Yeah. I mean, you, it really, I really struggled with a couple of them too. You and I had a couple conversations. I was like, I just, I can't wrap my brain around what it is. And until I did the deep dive and until I really got educated about it, I think I have my brain wrapped around it now, (laughs) but you know, it's an ever evolving journey for information and knowledge. So we'll do the best that we can with what we got, huh? Yeah. 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 So you mean just, it's just not safe words. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) It's not, but the importance of safe words is freaking huge. Whether you want to use them or not, having one should be mandatory. It just really should be mandatory. And we'll dive into those a little bit more. I mean, and that's a perfect entryway into discussing the reducing risks, right? That's a huge thing. Since BDSM inherently involves physical and emotional intensity, what can lead to injuries if not approached with caution? Part of minimizing or reducing the risks is adhering to the philosophies that we listed above the SSC, RAC, PRIC, and CCCC to just make sure that it reduces the likelihood of harm and accidents. And it also enhances everybody's experience as opposed to being a trauma-based horrible experience, right? Differentiating BDSM from abuse. I know that we've talked about it before that there's a fine line like a thin eyelash almost invisible line between abuse and um bdsm that's it's all consent right it's all consent so again we're just going to keep hammering establishing those frameworks like the terms that we're going to discuss help distinguish consensual bdsm practices from abusive ones it's really important to have presence of clear and ongoing consent Communication, obviously, we talk about all the time. And the care that you get from your partners is what sets BDSM apart as a consensual and ethical practice as opposed to abuse. So I know that we're going to dive into laws. We are. as Because we need to, because it's always been a question of mine. But didn't I hear right or read in all my reading that actually... BDSM is against the law. Oh, yeah. We have a whole other podcast coming out about that. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, so far, my compilation of information to divvy down into a podcast is 19 pages long. Wow. Can, yeah, we're going to really hit into the importance of laws, <laughs> contracts, that type of stuff, because it's all... Like, it's a scary situation for people that are into BDSM. Like, people can get involved really fast. Authorities, doctors, all the stuff. So, yes, we will be talking about that and how to protect yourself. Promoting positive perception. How do we do that? Again, all of these frameworks really challenge the stereotypes and misconceptions about BDSM. They highlight the emphasis on consent, communication, and mutual respect, which is not abusive. Everybody's adults. Everybody wants to be here. Everybody wants to have a positive experience. And so by creating these frameworks, it really does challenge the perception of the public, right? Because you have words then to come back and be like, do you have this in your vanilla sex life? Have you ever had conversations about consent in your vanilla sex life? And generally the answer is no. I think it's getting out there more now. But BDSM, again, part of the conversation that we had around subdrop was just making sure that in your BDSM lifestyle, in your life, that you have accepted who you are and that it's okay to do what you're doing. So it's really important that when people come to you in the outside general public, that you have words and information to use to to help your cause, to help explain yourself if you so choose to do. You shouldn't have to do that for anybody, but just in case, like these are valid talking points to people that don't understand why we do what we do. Yes. Okay. So we're going to move along to guiding behaviors and communication. 
BDSM safety philosophies, these ones that we're talking about, always serve as valuable tools for guiding participants' actions, thoughts, and communications within BDSM relationships. They encourage open dialogue, negotiation, and responsible behavior. So that's just another positive there. Okay. Compatibility and partner selection. Ooh, my favorite part. (laughs) I know. So all of these frameworks are, if you identify with one more than the other, right? One, whether you're SSC, RAC, PRIC, or CCCC, it actually helps you find and vet future potential partners because you, you do really need to be with somebody that shares your morals, your values, consent, trust, safety, all of these things are massive. So it definitely helps you understand better who you are so that you can choose better for yourself. But it just aligns expectations and it helps weed out those who don't prioritize safety in the way that you want. I have a story that goes along with that. I met somebody recently and we went on a meetup date and then we agreed to go play. And I assumed because I'm kind of learning some of the ropes still about meeting new partners and whatnot, because I have been playing privately for years, that we would have a negotiation. And when I was put in the situation, there was no negotiation. It went right into scene. And the part I didn't like about it was that had I known his level of play and what his wants and, and what he wanted out of it didn't match up with mine, I wouldn't have been in that scene. He wasn't compatible to my level of play. Yeah. And that's the important part, right? Having that communication up front and you certainly didn't uphold your boundary for yourself. You're not happy with it. Right. So we make mistakes and we live and we learn and we grow. Right. And as, as much as we're immersed in this and as much as I do this and teach this every freaking day, we're human and (laughs) we don't always do everything that we know we could or should do. And it nets out to shitty situations sometimes. But there's no part of me that feels like, Sarah, shame on you. You should have just <laughs> and then you could have just avoided this whole thing and then I wouldn't have to listen to it. Like, fuck off with that shit. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fine. You didn't do what you know you can do. You understand the consequences that came from that. And I guarantee you, you won't do it again. <laughs> I, I know. Sit down, let's negotiate. And if you don't negotiate, I don't want to play. Yeah. If you don't want to hear what I want and my desires and you're not in it for me. You're in it for you, even if I'm the top. And that's what these, yeah. all of these rules are here to help you decide what you need, what works for you best, what you're looking for to just perpetuate healthy and happy connections going forward. So again, we're all messy humans. We all screw up. We do the best that we can on any given day. If you give me 40% and that's all you have that day, you're giving me a hundred percent. Right. So let's just roll with it and just, it it is what it is, but God damn it. Stupid people. Right. Stupid other people. That leads us up to flexibility and content. And it's kind of what we were just talking about where some people really rigidly adhere to a single philosophy, right? Somebody might just be like prick all the way, which if we're talking to you, you're always about prick. So (laughs) (laughs) not really. It's always about my orgasms. (laughs) But so then it just, you know, it comes down to like, if you have these discussions about consent in the beginning, like we all should be doing, you're going to know where that person lies, right? Maybe you are somebody that doesn't have this rigid view and you can flip in and out of different types of consent and that works for you. And that's great. But then you'll also know if there's a person that's rigidly adhering to one, maybe in the long run, that's not going to work for you because you're very fluid. Maybe you're just not like that that day. And this person requires that all the time. So it's really just about helping yourselves out both parties and figuring out, Hey, what does this look like? And what do we both like? Correct. I, I agree. So that leads into common sense and framework. Some people like to argue that relying on common sense, safety, and consent should be sufficient, right? We just want to, it's what I was thinking before I read all these things was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these other frameworks that we're talking about offer structured guidelines that can enhance awareness, communication, and that accountability that we're always talking about. Again, information is power, and that's what we're trying to empower each of us in our lives that we choose to do. I I think that's awesome that we're being very open about these and not just assuming that people know this, that we're. Well, yeah. And then there is, 
Exactly. Think about where we were before we started reading all these things. All of the stuff that I've read, all of the descriptions that we're going to give of each type of this consent were unknown to me. And they could have helped me multiple ways. Have a discussion for one. Oh, I have this this framework, like guidelines that I can go and look for and see which one works for me and see which one it doesn't. And it just makes me safer in my own play, which makes a happier person. I understand it's kind of comes down to the balancing detail and holistic views, right? There's some critics that can argue that the details of these frameworks are overwhelming. Like I get it. And they were to me too, when I first started reading it, because I just was like, how do I insert myself into these frameworks? But what I realized is that they can help ensure everybody to not overlook crucial aspects while engaging in these BDSM activities. Because again, depending on how you came into it, like Sarah, you've had dungeon time, you've had private party time, you've had sex club time, you have had so many different experiences with so many different forms of information coming in, guidelines, rules, yes, no's, all these things where I came into it, hey, partner, you, do you, are you into this? Because I want to try it. And they're like, yeah, I would love that. So completely uneducated. Not that everybody starts this way, but there's a large chunk of us that do. So I've never really had been exposed to probably these frameworks just because if you're one-on-one, all of these can still apply. I do, I'm not taking away from that, but I'm saying the potential for me to even know about this shit was very nominal. And now that I do know, I feel really good about it. Some work for me, some don't work for me. And I'm going to use that to just lay out my guidelines going forward and develop your boundaries a little more clearly and a little, it helps with the, our favorite C word communication. (laughs) Communication. Yes. But our favorite one is consent. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I agree. So we're going to start into talking about SSC, which is safe, sane, and consensual. This is the foundation of the ethical framework in BDSM and emphasizing safety, sanity, and consensual participation and the kinky activity. Did you ever think about it at this level of having an actual guidelines or ethical framework when you were- No, again, it's just kind of something that I was interested in and I pursued and just naivety, just not having, again, I have a very large, wonderful community. Most of them are just ethical non-monogamous or swingers, right? There aren't a lot that I have that are also into BDSM. So again, conversations like this for me were very sparse until you. So you are my adventure buddy in this whole thing. And yeah, no, I really didn't know about any of these terms until you brought them to my doorstep. So I, again, I don't have a lot of experience in any of this. I only have now the knowledge and information and empowerment that figuring this crap out has brought me. You even said where the origin, this was kind of like the origin story of the BDSM consent terms, was it not? Yes. The term was coined by David Stein, who added consensual to the existing phrase of safe and saying it reflects the need for both physical safety and mental well-being while all highlighting the importance of consent in the BDSM world. That was his theory or that was his desire when he started to promote this. Well, and I have another little tidbit. Yes. That that SSC was actually not even coined for BDSM. He was told on a 4th of July in passing, have a safe and sane 4th of July. He's the one that added consensual and then it moved forward and was applied to BDSM. But it was never really intended to be a BDSM term. Oh, interesting. I love little tidbits like that. You know, I do. That just, <laughs> that's just umami for me. <laughs> so there's a scope on this. Do you want to read about that? Yeah. The scope of SSC wasn't intended to cover all aspects of the diverse BDSM community, but its popularity grew thanks to the internet. God, love the internet. However, not everyone agrees with the idea that kink activities must be completely safe, pointing out the risk is inherent in many activities. Yeah. Um, And then the argument is that everyone carries a degree of risk, right? What's considered safe or acceptable varies among each person. And understanding the risks and deciding the level of risk one is comfortable with is crucial. So again, it was the baby consent term. It was like the original framework 
of an idea of, hey, this can work for us. So like while SSC has been influential, discussions continue around how to balance safety and exploration in the BDSM. And I think that's why we have the more terms that we have, right? It's always going to be an ongoing learning thing. So that being said, RAC is the next one that we discussed. RAC is kind of the first one that emerged as an alternative ethical framework in BDSM. And it's focusing on acknowledging and accepting the risks associated with the kinked activities. And Mm -hmm. I should have said first, RAC is risk-aware consensual kink. Which is kind of funny because when I hear RAC, I think of it, it is a BDS implement. Yeah, we're on the rack. <laughs> no, I know. I want to go on a rack. I haven't been on a rack yet. I, but, I mean, I've been on a cross. I haven't been on a rack. But we'll, yeah, uh, we'll add that to my list. <laughs> so what is the concept of rack? Rack is emphasizing being aware of and accepting the risks involved in the BDSM activities while still prioritizing consensual participation. So unlike the other one where it was safe, sane, and consensual, this one is all of that, but it's consensual and that you're aware of what is, could happen. Is that what yeah. I get? Yeah. Know, so-, so it doesn't include the requirement of participants being sane, right? Yeah. So they, they took away <laughs> the sane one because it can have discrimination and connotations against individuals with mental illnesses. And we're just trying, again, I think this is the updated version of trying to avoid negative stereotypes as we're all growing and awakening to all of the appropriate nomenclature now. I think that's where they're going with that. Also, the difference is it emphasizes on the partnership. It's a collaborative planning between partners to create scenes or role plays that both parties are comfortable with. So it's not just one or the other. It's like a partnership. So what I'm hearing in all of this is that the main difference between SSD and RAC is the sanity piece. So that was a learning factor for me. Yeah, that's that was really important for them. And then the only other thing that this one differentiates on is it specifically focuses on kink activities, which is a distinguishing factor from the SSC. But the emphasis can exclude those who practice BDSM without a sexual component. Yeah, yeah, that's how most of the play parties, you're not seeing penetrative sex when they're in public. It's mainly impact. And then the sexual component is added later privately. So I can see that. Let's wrap up RAC. So RAC focuses on risk awareness, consent aligned with more nuanced understanding of the individual preference and the diversity of the BDSM practice. It emphasizes the collaborative planning, highlights the importance of communication and negotiation in ensuring a positive and safe BDSM experience. Yeah. So it's level up, right? We unlocked a level, (laughs) an achievement. (laughs) And we're going to go on to my favorite one, PRIC. It stands for Personal Responsibility Informed Consensual Kink. It's relatively a new acronym in the realm of BDSM ethics, emphasizing individual responsibilities for safety and communication, which, again, is one of our second favorite C words, first one being consent. Yeah. (laughs) So it really underscores the importance of personal responsibility informed decision-making and consent, right? There's no real argument about whether BDSM has to be consensual. It completely fucking does. But the idea behind PRIC is that every person who participates is responsible for their own safety, including informing partners of the risks, knowing what they're comfortable doing, and using safe words. RAC touches on the idea. PRIC makes it pretty explicit. It doesn't mean that people have less responsibility for the partner's safety, but the dominant or the more experienced partner isn't solely responsible for their partner's well-being, which can sometimes be assumed with other frameworks. I mean, this is the one that I really struggled with. And the reason why I really struggled with it is that right there. It just took me a while to get my brain wrapped around. And I don't know that I can verbalize it in a way that makes sense. But what I will say is my struggle was like, okay, but I'm the sub. Now, I have said it in the past. Subs are the ones are in equal power as doms. If it's done right, the dom runs a scene. The sub is the one that is in control of the safety, blah, blah, blah. So to me, though I say that and I understand that when I'm in a sub space, I'm like gone. So it, it's, it was hard for me to wrap my brain around this because I'm like, okay, but I trance out. So I really do rely on my doms to fucking be the dude or the person that's going to be responsible for my safety. 
So it was hard for me. And it's not like I didn't, I don't want to accept personal responsibility. I totally do. It's just that it was such a, like, how the fuck do I do that? But if it's I'm also in a out state, you know what I mean? Well, part of me thinks that it actually plays into the fact that you pick your partner that understands that about you. So For you are sure. taking personal responsibility. Well, and that's informed, you. right? So there you go. And it would be a consensual kink too. So again, I don't know why I struggled with it so hard. It just couldn't fucking make it work in my brain. No, I I can see why that's a struggle. I mean, when I was in scenes, I would put a lot in my top's hands when I was the bottom. But when I'm the top, I'm paying attention to the body, to my subs behavior on the cross or under my whip that if they don't move the right way or they move too quickly because it hit the right nerve or something, I immediately come in and check in for them to inform me how they're doing. But that's just my instinct of being a people pleaser and a top. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for a good top. (laughs) (laughs) We just talked about the personal responsibility, which is the PR of the prick. The I is for informed decision-making. We were just talking about that individuals are expected to be well-informed about the activities they engage in, including potential risks and safety measures. It is just as much the sub's job as it is the dominant's job. When you're engaging in an activity, like you need to do research. You need to educate yourself for yourself. You need to see how that lands on somebody else's body if possible. There's porn. You can find it. Go look it up. And then you have to have the discussion about the whole thing and the dom that's engaging in this should also like, if it's something that they are new at, they need to be very, I've never done this. This is my level of achievement within this thing. Do you consent to me learning with you? Like this whole conversation has to happen. And then I can say, yeah, I'm willing to learn that with you or no, (laughs) I don't want you to do it. I need somebody to do this professionally, but then that's on me because it's my body that it's going to be impacted. That's where I brought that. I had a weird incident happen the other day. Somebody called me up. They were wanting to do CBT on their Mm -hmm. husband because the husband has a desire for it. And the husband wanted to be completely wrapped tightly, his penis, almost like a chastity belt. And the wife was actually extremely nervous. She's like, I'm not educated about this. I, where do I go get educated? I don't want to hurt my husband. And I commended her for doing that and then gave her some people to go talk to that would train or could help her find right information to do this act to her husband. Yeah. It was a request. And so she is fulfilling her husband's desire. And I love that. I love the fact that she took the initiative to go, I need to figure out what to do. Because I I don't want to hurt my husband. That's just, that's a great partner all the way around. And you don't have to be a top or a bottom for that. That's just a great partner. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. The last part of the prick is the C, (laughs) which hopefully ends in the C. Consent remains at a central tenant, requiring all participants to engage willingly and without coercion. Yes. And I, that little word right there, coercion is going to be a large topic in our consent laws. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I, I was not prepared for the level of, oh, you can get in lots of trouble <laughs> if someone gets coerced. So coercion is fascinating when it comes to when I think about my shame and that things that I've overcome that was I coerced into doing everything I did? Maybe, but maybe not. I want it to be there, but I was ashamed of what I was doing. So I, I can get where coercion is definitely a, a factor into this is why we say if it's not a fuck, yes, it's a fuck. No. I love that. If you don't, it's very easy (laughs) to be coerced into doing something that is not right for you. This whole framework right here is exactly why that's so fucking important for everybody. I just wanted to discuss really quick the differences between prick and rack. Prick obviously goes way beyond rack by explicitly stating that personal responsibility applies to all participants, including both the more experienced and the less experienced partner. Again. Both people have responsibility. And it also counters assumptions that the more dominant partner is solely responsible for the submissive partner's well-being, which is what I was exactly struggling with this whole time with that. So I was glad to have something like that to 
get through the fog in my brain there. (laughs) And then the framework highlights the necessity of open communication about boundaries, risks, and preferences to ensure a safe and enjoyable experience. So it can definitely bring heightened emphasis on individual accountability, obviously, and transparency, which I love because that's all communication, which is awesome. And that's how we give consent is through communication. It shifts away from the assumptions of the one-sided responsibility and encourages mutual respect of each participant's autonomy and being within the BDSM interaction. So as much as I fought the prick framework, I think it's one that I can really identify with now that I understand what they're trying to say. I love the fact that you clarified about the personal responsibility, because I think that helps me understand which philosophy I'm going to lean towards when I enter into negotiations with a bottom and also with the top. Yeah. Mm. And again, it's not like you can't switch back and forth between any of these frameworks, whatever works for you and your partners at that time. Like I, I don't, it just, it, to me, it's like SSC was, it's the basic bitch of all of these, right? It's the beginning. It's where you start. And then everyone that we've seen so far has been even better and more inclusive and more thoughtful, right? So yeah, it's just, it's knowledge is power. Knowledge, <laughs> knowledge is, is power. power for better, healthier sex. Who doesn't want that? Just Breathe, Life, Relationship, and Intimacy Coaching. Are you struggling with trauma or relationship issues? Do you feel like you're stuck in patterns that are holding you back from living your best life? If so, it's time to take the next step towards healing and growth. Hi, my name is Jenna. I'm a life relationship and intimacy coach with over four years of experience helping individuals and couples overcome complex challenges related to intimacy, sexuality, and communication. I specialize in working with clients who have alternative relationships, clients that struggle with trauma, and teaching communication skills. Together, we can create a safe and supportive space for healing and growth and help you build the skills and tools you need to move forward with greater resilience and self-compassion. As a relationship coach, I also provide practical tools and communication strategies that can help you strengthen your connection and build a deeper, more fulfilling relationship. Whether you're struggling with conflict, feeling disconnected, or simply looking to deeper your connection with your partners. I'm here to help. I believe everyone deserves to have happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships and a satisfying sex life. And I'm committed to helping my clients achieve those goals. If you're ready to take the next step towards greater intimacy, connection, and pleasure, I invite you to schedule a consultation with me today. You can do this by visiting my website at justbreathewithjenna.com. I offer a free 30-minute intro session. Help is only a click away. Let me help you find the answers that are right for you. So that leads us to the newest one, which is C, 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 caring, communication, consent, and caution. It is an ethical framework for BDSM safety, particularly prevalent in a master-slave dynamics and 24-7 power exchange relationships. And I don't know. I think you can use it any way you want, (laughs) but I get why, like once we kind of break it down. I get why the master-slave dynamic. I think this one is so important because we're talking about contracted relationships. We're talking about one person is giving over their autonomy to one person, and therein lies the trust that person that they give over to is going to do all the right things. So this framework specifically, definitely, because you got to do it before you start it. You've got to have all that conversation and communication and consent before you start it, because that is a wild ride. If you are just a complete master-slave situation, holy shit, I hope you trust each other. The the book, The Story of O, I was exposed to in the 80s, was fascinating. And that's a story which we'll cover a little bit more about it later. But it's the story of a woman basically entering into a slave situation with other slaves and a master and her finding herself and then bringing herself out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if the story of, oh, if CCCC was a framework for that story, you're going to be the one that knows because I didn't read the book. So the key aspects are caring, communication, consent, and caution. In the caring aspect, 
It emphasizes the importance of genuinely caring for one's partner well-being, even in consensual non-consent scenarios. It highlights that demonstrating care for each other's humanity is integral, irrespective of the specific nature of the relationship. Okay. That's huge. Yes. The next part is communication. Effective communication plays a central role. It involves negotiation before scenes, utilizing safe words during activities, if necessary, and debriefing after the experience to ensure mutual understanding and emotional well-being. So already from prick to CCCC, we're not only making it both people's responsibility to do everything pre, but we're also saying that communication is huge. Safe words, like I said, are huge, should have, whether you want to use them or not. I get that it makes you feel like you might be taken out of the scene if you use it. Fucking have one, period. Have one, because that's part of your consent is having one. I love how much we've already stepped up again. Consent, of course, is categorized into three layers in this one, which I love this idea. So there's safe consent, which is the fundamental agreement to any BDSM involvement, right? Then there's a scene-specific consent and deep consent. The deep consent involves the dominant top's ongoing awareness of the submissive partner's ability to use a safe word during a scene. Like, how safe does that consent feel to you just now? It does. It feels more inclusive of my needs. For sure. I really like that language around this whole thing. And then caution, right? The last one's caution. This principle underscores the need for caution due to potential risks associated with the BDSM activities. While CCCCC (laughs) avoids using the term risk, it encourages participants to approach activities with a mindful consideration of their potential outcomes. So it's like, hey, I'm going to beat you. Here's the potential for what could happen. And it's all part of this framework, which I just find I really like this one. And I really like prick too. But this one is, I think I like that it reframes safety discussions because it focuses on the positive attributes like care and communication rather than solely addressing risks and negatives. So here we go again, words of intention, words coming from a place of, yes, that's a real big deal for me. I'm so in love with the consent layer, the concept of the layered Consent, which just helps to emphasize the different levels of consent that may apply to various aspects of BDSM engagement. It's not a blanket thing. You can do, you can have it however you want. And I love that there's just these layers of extra concern and caution. I love that. And then again, you see this framework in more of the master-slave relationships and the total power exchange dynamics that extend beyond specific scenes. So I just love how deep it goes for me. How much it covers is just so great. I think it's so inclusive. It actually puts responsibilities on all the parties and it puts concerns on the well-being as well as maintaining the safety. So as we've developed these layers of consent or frameworks, They've gotten more focused on that. That's what I hear. I agree. I think it's a more ethical approach for these ongoing power exchange relationships, right? Tops and masters and slaves and stuff like that. I think it makes me feel good if somebody was, if like a a dom that I was in a relationship with came to me and said this type of thing, because I do tend to get a little bit more power exchange with mine. It would make me feel so good to have my dom be like, we need to discuss this. I would feel so loved and cared for. It really underscores the significance of how important genuine care is. And then the communication, of course, I love the multifaceted consent. And it also just, I love it that it reminds everybody to approach BDSM activities with caution Uh, and all of it. I just really like this one. (laughs) So uh, that led me to my question that I was going to ask you and all of this is which one do you now lean towards? Obviously SSC is out because we built on that one, but out of the three, you're leaning towards the four C's now in your own private structure. I think it's going to be relationship dependent. I think with a Dom, definitely CCCC. Uh, I think that's a conversation that I'd like to have for sure. And I, I will use that one specifically if I have to go out and find another one. I just think right. it's just, it just resonates so hard to, it just keeps coming back as the word safe to me in my chest and this happy bubbly feeling in my chest energy wise it just feels so good 
but I'm definitely can see prick working. It just depends on the level of the relationship too. If I'm at it's like out at some club and I agree to get a spanking by the person I'm with in public, sure, SSC. <laughs> yeah, it's consensual, right? But it so it's like depending on who I'm with, depending on the activity, I can use all of them. I'm a fan of all of them in one way or another. You gotta start somewhere. SSC's basic bitch, but we love her. <laughs> love her to death. She's going to be solid. She's going to be there the whole time. She's safe, sane, and consensual. That works well. And all of this, you need to recognize the risk. You are playing in this world of kink. Playing is probably not the best word, but you are dealing with actual impact to the body or like breath play or bondage or tying somebody the wrong way that you could cut off circulation and hurt and cause harm. This is actual harm base play per se. So the risk is important. So I want to give guidelines to everybody that they try to at least put into practice as much as possible, like the use of safe words, taking the time to vet your potential partners. Don't play under the influence and communicate openly and honestly. Be patient, humble, open, realistic, sensitive. Know how to use your tools like that one. (laughs) Be prepared for the worst and incorporate aftercare. Woohoo! I'm a component for aftercare. <laughs> you are. <laughs> so do we want to discuss each one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's break these down. So safe words. Safe words. We just said the safe words are super important. It's necessary to pause or play a scene or stop it. you got to use them. It's important to have one. I've used my safe word now twice. It was one night and it was minutes apart and I got hit fucking hard. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want any more of that. I That's the only time I ever have. And I have now taken impacts harder than that night. But on that night, my body could not take any more. And if I hadn't stood up for myself, which I haven't before, that's on me and I'm going to get hurt. And then it's going to screw up the trust. So have your safe word. You don't have to use it. No one's telling you you have to use it. <laughs> Just have one. The thing about safe words that I know that they're universal safe words. So when you're in public play, the universal safe word are the colors are red, green, yellow, in my case, beige, (laughs) but there's blue and purple. Just figure out what they're using when you're in negotiation. Definitely negotiate what your safe word is in public. Stick to the basics because if you are a bottom and you're being topped by somebody, they're looking for the universal ones. So I highly recommend that just stick to the basics. Don't make it too complicated. I want pineapples. That was my safe yeah. word. Seriously, don't make it like, what's my best friend's name from elementary school? Like a safety password <laughs> and anything like you're going to forget. Pick something that's just going to fly out of your mouth. <laughs> stop does not necessarily work because yes. usually in my words is don't stop. But <laughs> No and stop are often not real terms. The one part that I really did want to spend a couple of seconds on is vetting of your potential partner. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like so many people don't do this. I am guilty of not doing this, but I've been reading some information around. It's a book for doms. And I just wanted to see what that was all about. And so the book that I'm reading goes hard on vetting potential partners And it made me realize I already do. Most of the people that I've ever dated have come from my own community. We all know each other. So I haven't really had to vet people outside of, which is probably where I went wrong (laughs) in the ones (laughs) that I created outside of. So just before engaging in any of the activities, it's so imperative to thoroughly vet these partners. The process is it needs to be open and honest discussions about boundaries. We need to talk about consent. We need to talk about experience levels for both. We need to talk about emotional compatibility. And then we really need to take the time to involve speaking with their other previous partners, if possible at all. And that's really just going to help you gain insight into their behavior, their communication, and their ability to provide aftercare. And that just trust, right? If you go and you interview any previous partner, their perspective is valuable. What if it was bad and none of the consent was held and that's why they're not together? So wouldn't you want to know this about the people? I guess I'm going to specifically say also, probably this goes more 
toward, I shouldn't say specifically, this probably goes more towards long-term partners. When you're in clubs and you're, I would still ask, I would still ask the staff, hey, does this professional dom, what do you know about him? Or ask the person that just got beat from the person like, hey, how do you feel like he was listening to you? Do you know what I mean? There is a level of vetting that you can do even in open club play. In the house parties, I remember I had taken some friends to a house party and they were going to be under the whip of a sadist that I, I admire. I have yet to go under their whip, but I always am an advocate for him. He reads people way better than most. He reads the body. He sees how the person's reacting and he sees where the limits are because he's been doing it for so long. So yeah. I totally get it. I'm the one that people come out. Would you go underneath him? I'm like, no, <laughs> but he is actually a good, like he, he plays well. Yeah. His level of, because he uses bull whips. I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, I'm good. I don't. Yeah, I'm good. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So <laughs> I get it. I, you can look around and find people that answer. Have you seen this person and how they handle their aftercare is a really good one. Do they handle aftercare? I know quite a few tops in the scene that don't do aftercare, but they negotiate it. Like they tell you beforehand, how are you going to get your aftercare? Yeah. You need a blanket. Let me get you, let me have the blanket ready. We're going to put that on you, but they're not going to sit there and hold you because they're not that touchy feely. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that makes for a better, just again, communication makes everybody a better, it gives me the option to show up for myself and be like, Oh, I really can't do that. This doesn't align with my boundaries, right? So I just, I love that. I think this next one that we're going to talk about is don't play under the influence is a very important one. Although it is very common in the scene to have alcohol and some recreational drugs like pot or molly or shrooms is popular nowadays. Trying to avoid that when you're in an, a BDS activity is important because it impairs your judgment. You may not realize how the body is being impacted. So you may end up hurting yourself more than you would have normally. Yeah. I know that when I was in private play, I would take a little bit of an edible and it put me in my body more, but I wouldn't take enough to where I would totally trance out. I would totally focus in and it was different. But even then I could see where I pushed my body and my limits a little too far because I wasn't feeling my body quite right. Yeah. I know quite a few people in the scene that do not play under the influence at all. They don't want their tops to be under the influence or they don't want their bottoms to be under the influence. So I think this is becoming very part of the scene now that you're seeing more and more of this happen where it's not. It gives you the best odds at having a good experience, right? Like we're not your parents. I, I, I take weed gummies. I have red wine. Like I love red wine beating nights. I do, but I do understand what they're saying. So Everybody just do your due diligence. Know your limit. Don't push past, right? We're not saying you can't have a drink. We're not saying you can't have a half an edible. Just everything in moderation so yeah. that you are safe in your scene and you can get your, your shit out of it if necessary. Don't do anything to numb. That's what we're saying because you're going to get hurt. Go back really? to prick. Personal responsibility. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the bullet points. The communicate openly and honestly. We've talked about this. Discuss your desires, your limits, your preferences with your partner. Fucking be honest about yourself and your interests and your boundaries because that's really important. Like when we negotiated with Mitch, there was a solid boundary that I negotiated with him ahead of time, which is on the Patreon feed if you want to go over and subscribe to Patreon. You can see our negotiation to that and how and what I expect from a top. And it was a really wonderful piece. And he was honest and he followed my boundary, like one of my boundaries. So to be clear, I don't like wraparounds. I don't like it when they wrap around the whip to the front from the back or unless it's in the crotch area, but I'm on the sides because my sides are very sensitive and it hurts way worse than on my back or my shoulders. So I prefer not to have wraparound. So that is my boundary. And I communicate that when I'm in a scene. I also ask my bottoms to communicate theirs as well, because that's important to me that it's I don't. very important. For, I mean, every everything that we've discussed up to, we just keep adding layers of importance. I don't think that there's <laughs> anything more or less at this point. Next so, bullet point. 
Yeah. Be patient, humble, open, realistic, and sensitive. And so what we're just saying is just approach BDSM with an openness and humility. Practice patience and understanding and a need for gradual exploration if that's what's necessary. You don't have to – everything. Rome was not built in a day. God damn it. Slow down and just be sensitive to your partner and what they're saying and don't blow them off. This is the whole thing is you're building trust. And if people tell you something and you just go, oh, you're fine. No, that's, we're not doing that here. Right. Spirit knows all about this next one. Oh yes. I was going to do this one. Know how to use your tools and toys. (laughs) (laughs) Understand the tools and implements involved in BDSM. Learn about them. Use them safely and responsibly. Research, practice, and build up confidence. When I was training to be a master, I went to my first play party, house play party, and they were doing the bullwhip. They were actually doing a signal whip because it's only three to four feet versus the full six or eight. So it's a smaller whip. And I was fascinated. Like, how did they get the practice? How did they use it? And so they actually taught me techniques on how to control my arms and where to practice and going at home and taking a pillow and aiming towards a spot on a pillow and see how well you can hit that spot. So now I'm out of practice, but when I was in practice, I could hit the areola of a breast with my whip because I had practiced it. I had got to know my tool and the different way things impact the body. Yeah. That also goes for all the different types of fetishes, the breath play, understand breath plays. Research. Yes. You do not just go in and go, Hey, I'm going to hold your throat. (laughs) Understand how the body reacts. And even if you're playing with somebody that has already been under breath play, have them tell you what they're experiencing so that you learn both sides. I mean, what you just said is learn how your body reacts. Your body is a tool as well. Learn your limits. It's okay to have a safe word. (laughs) It's okay to do all these things. It's okay to say that I'm scared to do this, but I trust you. It's okay to say, no, Red, like no, that didn't work. No, like just fire. (laughs) Know how to use your tools so that you don't hurt people, right? Or yourself, or yourself. Yeah, let's not do that. That's just trauma. Nobody needs extra fucking trauma. Now, that being said, also prepare for the worst. (laughs) But you need to have your safety measures in place. We need to have, as as far as an emergency contact, to be honest with you, you need tools that you might have to take the restraints and cut them off. First aid supplies, proper hygiene, all that stuff is really important because people go down. Some people in the dungeon scene, they go down deep, dark holes, mostly their own. But then (laughs) you got to clean and you got to do all this stuff. And we need to prepare for the eventuality that it's not, I firmly believe it's not an if you get hurt, it's a when. And it, I doubt that it's going to be an intentional when, but it's important to be prepared for that. Oh for sure. God. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I in all the public dungeons that I've been in, which has only been a handful, they have their supplies ready to go. There's an area everybody knows that you clean up after yourself. After the scene, you, you sanitize everything. If you do blood play, you clean up and sterilize and you use gloves. And it's all about safety in public dungeons. They're making sure there's scissors to cut out binds. There are band-aids for cuts that got a little deep and things like that. So be prepared. I agree. Hands down. Be aware. And our last bullet point of the day is... Aftercare. Aftercare. No, that's coming up. We We have a a whole podcast on aftercare. aftercare. So it involves providing physical and emotional support after the BDSM sessions are done. And it's essential for both submissives and dominants to ensure well-being. We also, in our episode, discuss top drop as well as sub drop. So aftercare is just the best possible attempt at not allowing drop to happen for either party. So it's very crucial part to everything. And in these consents, all of that is there. So use in it. Our ep- in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the laws and contracts, negotiation. In the negotiation, you should include aftercare. It should definitely be a bullet point. Be aware of what you're expecting. Like, I know that Jenna likes having a hairbrush. I do. I do. I got my hairbrush last night. It was lovely. <laughs> Jealous. I don't have a lot. I just like to be touched. I like to be held. I definitely have to be warm. So I had to have my socks. So my socks are my aftercare, I guess. 
and wrap me up and let me go. You can go do whatever you want. As long as I'm curled up in a ball and a blanket with my socks, I'm okay. There's so much that we have just for everybody because I never know where this episode's going to land. But the sub, I'll let Sarah tell us later. But the sub drop one has a ton of information on aftercare. So please listen to that one too. It's another vital component to this whole BDSM experience. So, yes. how are you feeling today, Sarah? Do you feel like we've educated the masses yet again? Actually- Actually, I learned a lot from you and your research. I mean, I dove into these, but did not dive into CCC as much. I just assumed, I assumed uh-huh. the, the simple level. So I was dissecting a lot of the CCCs. And honestly, I think I'm going to lean more towards CCC. Prick and CCC is my, will be my main one. But I like how you said that it also, all of them work at different times and different venues or different placements and different partners. Yeah, You'll incorporate. but have one. Yeah, have one. Have them. Uh, know about each one. And then you can decide which level that you want to communicate to whatever type of partner that you might have. This is a foundation for practicing BDSM safely, consensually, uh, promoting open communication, trust, responsible exploration. Remember that consent, respect, and understanding are paramount in BDSM dynamics and play. Absolutely. Said. I think this is a fun filled, okay, maybe not fun, but a filled episode. <laughs> <An> informational. <laughs> it inspiring. Was inspiring. There's a word. Inspiring. Oh. It's definitely, I'm looking forward to doing the contract one because I did dive into that, not 19 pages worth, but I actually started to develop a contract to see how hard it is. Cause that's how I learned. I learned by, by putting myself in the meat of it. So For we'll sure. talk about my implements of my contract and Jenna, my ooh. 19 pages of information <laughs> that I'm going to try and compress. <laughs> there's so much, guys, there's <laughs> but it's so important. Much. You guys have to listen to that one, the laws it's y'all be careful. That is another big component of why we vet people. Y'all need to know who you're playing with and y'all right. need to understand that if and when most likely there is a, an owie situation, what your potential risks are for right. everything. Yeah. I mean, I would, oh, this is a Pandora's box for me. I was like, no, <laughs> but you know, you've learned a lot. Yeah, I've Yay. learned a lot, which <laughs> makes me really happy. It puts me in my happy place, man. I zipped through 19 pages of information collected yesterday for the one. And I had this one up to 10 pages and I was like, oh, I love ADHD hyperfocus. It's so good. (laughs) I know I got that way when I was doing the uh, teaser last night and I was so focused on, oh, look at this. I can do this now. I can do that. And all the editing and whatnot. And that will be me tonight when I go to edit some of the other ones so that we can launch on time. Me too. I got some more to edit myself. So I guess where can they find us? <laughs> this is gonna uh-uh. ah dang it, she got me. Uh-uh. Okay, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and our website at orgasmicterrace.com. You can have discussions with us on Discord and Facebook. Maybe we're still trying to figure that one out. Facebook is fighting us because our content is controversial, according to Zuckerberg. Yeah. And then you can email us at orgasmicterrace at gmail.com or you can go to our website and send us a message. But please send us any, if you have any questions or you even have a story you want to share about anything that you, that relates to us, send it to us. We'll love to hear from you. And one, huh? You missed one. Oh, I missed one. Where can I- they go to subscribe and see you and I both get our fannies beat? <gasps> I did. Oh, oh damn. my God. Patreon, the video. We have some really exclusive videos, especially in regards to the episodes. Jenna and I get beaten on Patreon. <laughs> watch yes we're gonna we're putting more content on patreon all the time we have different levels please go and click and support us and help us get you more fun content that's uh naughtier than what you're gonna have on a podcast yeah all right right. what are we doing to this weekend what are we doing oh we're off to go to summer spank oh what is summer spank 
I am not sure, but I saw it. <laughs> Summer Spank <laughs> is a BDSM impact play festival here in Oregon that we're going to go attend tonight and get hopefully get some interviews from that to also lead to another podcast in the BDSM series. Yes, I'm so excited. Jenna and I are going to be all dressed up. Stay tuned for pictures. Yes, we'll put <laughs> pictures on that too. So that should be fun. And I think now I will let you say, go be good humans. Go be good humans, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our website at orgasmicterrorist.com. Please don't forget to help us out by sharing our podcast and leaving a five-star review. As always, you can send us an email with your questions and comments to orgasmicterrorist at gmail.com.